All right, everybody. Welcome to uh, a special GGTMC. Uh, we're here at TIFF. I'm at uh, Large William's house. We're both in the hot tub. Uh, sans anything. And uh, <laughs> Sans everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're ready to record. We cleaned the filter out to make sure no hair would clog it up. You know, a couple bears in there. So we didn't want it to get too nasty. No, no. But we are, we are here at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival 2009. Uh, more importantly... It's the first time uh, Large William and I have met face to face, and uh, that has been uh, that has been definitely the glowing moment, along with meeting uh, Vishnu and uh, Spiros, one of uh, I guess I can say his name on the air. I'm sure you won't mind. One of Large William's good friends, uh, which is really outstanding. It's been great, and his wife, I should say, and his son, who uh, we're not sure if he likes me or not yet, but we think he does. He smiles at me a lot, so <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to assume he does like me. He's playing, he's playing coy. <laughs> so. We are going to cover these films, and this is going to be different than the GGTMCs you typically hear. We're not going to do any music. We're not going to do any feedback. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We're just going to talk about the films we cover and uh, and we've seen, and we're just going to go from there. So we're just going to rip into this one here. Our first film we saw is uh, 2009's Air Doll. Or, uh, Sounds about <laughs> right. And I think it should be said, sadly, the webcams aren't working because we had planned on doing interpretive dance as we review the films. Right, right. Because the energy between two men, two grown... <laughs> Men doing interpretive dance whilst they talk about film uh, yes. would have been epic. But uh, yes, we were, we we have done some interpretive dancing on our own. Uh, yes, a little like like in Hero. That's the scary thing is those when we dance, uh, typically blossoms start to bloom on trees, which is weird. No, <laughs> no, but I'll uh, I'll kick it over to William for a plot synopsis, and then uh, I'll get going on this uh, air doll. Okay, so uh, I think it also should be said that it was fitting. You and I had laughed about the fact. Oh yeah, that in true GGTM. GGTMC form, the first one we saw together was about a Japanese sex doll uh, come to life. So, and essentially that's the plot. It's uh, the, the plot's short and sweet here. It says a life-size blow-up doll develops a soul and falls in love with a video store clerk. And that's it in a nutshell, but I think it's certainly a lot more than that as, as right. we talk about the film here. And this is directed by Hirozaku Koreeda, uh, who probably most of you might know from Nobody Knows, uh, sort of a dramatic film that he did. Uh, he's very much an art house director. Um, Still walking. He did Hannah, which was actually pretty popular. Uh, he's a, he's a reasonably prolific director, uh, but this is a bit of a departure for him. And it stars fine Korean actress Bei Duna and Joe Adagiri, uh, good Japanese um, actor. So, with that being said, let me kick it over to you uh, to get your thoughts on it. All right. So, uh, one of the great things about Toronto International Film Festival for those who haven't been is that a lot of times the directors and stars and whatnot will be at the screenings. Uh, we got to hear the director talk about this a little bit. He uh, discussed how his film was different than other films he had done. Uh, I think it's still maybe, I am not as familiar with his other films, but uh, it's still the same aesthetic, maybe just a different type of uh, material, maybe. Maybe a little bit more. It, it, the, the film sounds perverted when you say uh, sex now come to life, uh, but it's that's actually the furthest thing from what it is, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more as we go along. I think to fairly describe it would almost be like a Pinocchio for adults. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Or Pinocchio with a little bit of a darker slant. It's dark in ways, but perverted is not It's not dark perverted. No, it's not a sleazy film. No. This isn't Sergio Martino. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's grown-ups. Uh, grown-ups. Uh, hang on, I think the bubbles in the jacuzzi are kicking down here. Hang on a second. There we go. All right, there we go. <laughs> no. the, uh, the, uh, the themes are adult in nature, which just means that they're mature. And uh, that's the thing about the film. I mean, you hear people describe it and people giggle and laugh because immaturity kicks in immediately because you think sex doll and you think the uh, the worst. 
But the truth of the matter is, it's not the worst. It's actually pretty interesting. Uh, but the, yeah, my notes uh, I got here, uh, it is Pinocchio with a little bit of a darker slant, basically. Um, you really don't see that until well into the film, though, the, the Pinocchio angle. You just yeah. kind of see it as something else for a while. Um, I'm wondering <clears throat> if water is what brings life to her. In the film we watched, she's a sex doll. And uh, she's the companion of a very lonely and socially inept man. man. And uh, I wonder, in the film, there's this breath of air. And this is very poignant for a couple reasons. But I've wondered if it was the water that she touched or the air. Now, it has to be the air because she had the air and she was moving before she touched the water. But there was some some very, almost like a birth scene in a way. The air comes in and the doll moves around and then it touches water. And then for the, and this is not giving anything away, then for the viewer's benefit, she looks very plastic, very blown up doll, like she's supposed to. And then once she touches the water and it runs down, we kind of get a scene cut back to a real lady. But I think the transition was incredible because it's it's seamless to the point where you see plastic and then you see human flesh. Yes. It was really well done. And I think, just to touch on what you said, it's a combination of the rain. It's 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 essentially life. The sort of life outside of the bedroom being fucked in plain English by this Japanese man once she'd sort of you know the, the smell of the, the flowers and the, the water sort of the combination of all that yes. is what sort of brought her to life yeah and we need to talk about this actress this uh, Bay Nun Bay Duna Duna okay so I'm not real familiar with her but I will be watching her quite a bit uh, this is maybe one of the best performances we've seen maybe it's, it, well it's definitely one of the best performances we've seen in our time with the festival uh this is really amazing. She goes from a sex doll who knows nothing to a person who is discovering everything with a sense of childlike wonder that has to be seen to be believed. Uh, actually, William just found something here in the hot tub console. Hang yes, on a second. I had <laughs> forgot. I, I don't know how we overlooked this. Uh, well, first, she's in The Host, which, of course, Bong Joon-ho yes. uh, did. And we're going to see one of his films uh, at the festival. Tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um she did Linda, 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 which is a really cute film about a female band, uh, okay. which is, is a little more under the radar. But I think most importantly, what she did was Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Uh, she was the sister uh, that needed the transplant. So, okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm starting to see it now. Yeah. And she has a very doll-like face to begin with. Yeah. And they give her this sort of almost like Lego man hair in a sense. You know, that oh, yeah, Prince yeah. Valiant for women sort of look yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that Lego had. It's very interesting that the, she transformed into a human, but you still see the seams of the plastic molding that made the doll. They run down the side of her neck and down her arms. Uh, for those of you out there that listen to the show that have an inflatable sex doll, you know who you are. <laughs> so you know what we're talking about. Large William and I know nothing about that. Nothing. <laughs> At least not the female sex doll variety <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, no, she, she, it's very interesting touch. It's very subtle makeup. But anyway, we get back to her. She plays the scene that she plays every scene she's in with this sense of childlike wonder that really has to be seen to be believed. It's like an infant and then into child form. And she learns more and more. Uh, she's wandering around. She's seeing things. And this is really the theme of the movie. I think the theme of the movie is is uh, discovery or not appreciating the things that we see every day in life that we we've come to take for granted the little things like a snowflake on your on your tongue yes and that may sound trite or cliche but you really have to see her performance and see the care and love that's put into this with Coriata the filmmaker because it's it's like a slasher when we see let's just talk about Mandy Lane for just a moment here 
it's a slasher. Like we always say, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it does what it does well. And it's the same with this. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it does it so beautifully and magically and with love. Yes. Yes, he takes a uh, an object that's uh, inanimate, in, in, inanimate, yeah, and makes us realize how inanimate uh, humanity can be sometimes, how much we go about our day-to-day business. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, we get up every day, we go to work. We take things for granted, you know. It's easier not to take things for granted. Like in your case, you have a child, so it's easier not to take things for granted now. But uh, 10 years ago, but uh, if I'm guessing, you took everything for granted except uh, your credit card at the Diesel Jeans store. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> I tease, I tease. <laughs> God knows I didn't. I took everything for granted. I was just so consumed with buying movies that, uh, you know, I'd go without eating. <laughs> Yeah, to get them. <laughs> no, that's true. But uh, yeah, she has a sense of childlike wonder that really has to be seen to be uh, to be believed. And I think that she is the the center of the movie completely. And the director has a lot of qualities that he brings to it and whatnot. But she is really the center of the film. She carries the whole movie, the entire movie. There's other great performances in the film. There's some, some interesting performances. There's some strange performances. But your eyes are on her no matter what when she's on screen because you're seeing through quote unquote maybe an adult's eyes this uh the world as as a new thing as a brand new thing and i think that's what he's he's saying there's actually a line in the movie that i found to be the most poignant line in the movie when she says because i found a heart i told a lie which i found so interesting because humanity as good as we can be we sometimes don't you know, we don't always tell the truth, you know, and yeah, it's as simple for, as that. Some of us just motivation. don't. Yes. You, you, you find yourself telling lies and you might not even, you might not even be able to help it. You might not even realize you're telling a lie. Uh, you might just be able to try not to make somebody mad, not to hurt somebody's feelings. For instance, I mean, let's be honest. We all lie a little bit to not uh, maybe like not tell the truth all the time. I mean, you, you would hope you're as truthful as possible to everybody you talk to, but the truth of the matter is, you know, sometimes you might say, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, that that's fantastic. But in your head, you're thinking, hey, oh, you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so you tell these little lies. And, and she comes to the realization that she she's doing this, which is a very human thing, a very human emotion that we that we see her come to this. Then she says the line, because I found a heart, I told a lie. And I found that to be one of the most poignant lines. And that, that also that what, what I think the director is going for is that she's not empty. Uh, because she's figuratively full of air, we would say she was empty. It's the people that she's around that are empty. Yes, and they've they've lost kind of connect, you know, kind of a connection with their life. The only person in the film who really still has a connection with life in some ways is the gentleman she starts working with in the movie store, and also the old man she meets at the park, who kind of has a sixth sense about appreciating life. But isn't that always the case when you meet older you're people? The, but, but yeah, you're on the death of door on the doorstep of death, and. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You appreciate every moment you have. She has all this this ensemble of people that she sort of gleans different things from because they're at different emotional and physical points in their lives. Yes, and she has a scene where she now she's an air doll, so she has a scene where she has an accident and she she gashes her arm, and of course there's no blood, but you can hear the air coming out. And uh, I don't think it's giving anything away in the plot because there's a, a whole other story that goes on toward the back end, which we're not going to talk about, obviously. But the clerk he sees this. And he doesn't panic as much as he just helps her, and he tapes her up, and he blows her back up. And this is really one of the key things about the movie, is that he's, I think what the director's going forward telling people here is that he's putting life back into her. There's almost a sexuality to it for the air doll, for uh, Yozomi. I think that's how you say her name, Yozomi? I believe so. Yes. 
there's almost a sexual satisfaction to her. But the great thing about it is there's actually a scene where she goes to a park and she holds up her hand and she's looking through her hand because she's, she's translucent because she's a plastic doll full of air. I love that moment. Yeah. And she's looking at her hand through the sun and she can see in this air, it's different than the air pump she uses to blow herself up. Yes. This air has like a almost like a soul, like a life itself, because, you know, it came from somebody who's alive as opposed to a plastic pump. And uh, it's really very poignant and stuff. And you can see that once she gets blown up with that air, she's even more alive than she was the original time. She blows herself up with a pump or her lonely, uh, quote-unquote, male boyfriend there. He blows her up with a pump or something, you know? So I found those kind of things very interesting. Uh, I just got a couple more notes. We're going to try to keep these episodes kind of short. The... uh, Hang on, I'm, I'm turning the page here. It's uh, it all out of the way of his notepad. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, you don't want to get it wet. The uh, but the one of the things I came away from it. Uh, well, let me talk a little bit about the technical aspects. The director really knows what he's doing. I was talking to Will about this when we were walking out of the theater. That was really blown away, and I was really concerned that I was going to be blown away by the first film I got to see at the Toronto International Film Festival because I was afraid that it would all be downhill from there. <laughs> you thought the pink, the pixie dust was going to be sprinkled on you yes. and. I mean, because I'm excited. I'm having fun. I just got in on a flight. Uh, the first thing Will does is take me to a horse track, which uh, is fitting considering I'm from the horse capital of the United States of America. But was unintentional. It was <laughs> yes. just serendipitous because a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a few years had his birthday at the Woodbine Racetrack. Nice. 10 minutes from the airport. Yes. So, it, it, it all made you know. sense. And then and then to, talk, to further sort of uh, get Rick thinking that I'm, you know, oh, Southern cliches, I take him to a rib fest where there's an awesome Elvis impersonator. I'm eating pulled pork sandwiches. Yes. And also when we came to the house the first time we turned the TV on, and the first thing on the television was horse racing again. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like he set up the whole day. Yeah. That's what it started to look like. But we were just joking with each other. We know that's not the case. But anyway, we uh, we uh, I came in and uh, you know I was worried about that. I was worried about the pixie dust syndrome. I mean, I'm excited. I'm I haven't been to a Toronto National Film Festival before. This is a major thing for me. Something I've been wanting to do since I was 14 years old. Uh, so this film raised the bar really high, and so I was really concerned oh, yeah. that uh, we were going to be in for. Uh, you know, nothing but a down, a slow downfall the rest of the time here. Uh, luckily, that hasn't been the case, and we'll talk more about that on the other shows. But uh, a couple more themes uh, that, and about the director and stuff. He really knows how to use a camera. He takes his time and setting up shots. Uh, I was talking to Will when we got out of the theater about how he uh, likes to shoot behind a character and then slowly pan around while a dialogue scene's going on. Almost like Quentin Tarantino does at a table. Or even like... To uh, kind of put it in retrospect for like people. Kubrick does a very yes. slow... Slow pans. Hand, so there's a camera moving while you have a long dialogue scene. Yeah. So the audience doesn't get too static, you know, yeah. so they don't, you know, get this, kind of bored. This film has almost no quick cuts, if any. Uh, yeah, I don't recall any. I don't recall any. I'm not to say there isn't, but I don't. No ad- abrupt, no quick cuts that take you, Very that kind of shock you or anything, nothing like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the camera is great, and he really shoots it very subtle and quietly the dialogue is there's a lot of inner dialogue, but the dialogue's pretty sparse in the film in some spots. Yeah, it is. It's just yeah. a matter of. Facial expressions. It's a matter of picking up the weight of what the characters doing through observing what they're doing. For example, a character's looking at a picture, and you can kind of see in their face. You're obviously putting two and two together. Uh, what that meant to them through their expression, right. as opposed to this needless exposition. Well, when I was a, you know, uh, you know, when I was a fireman and I did this and I saved a baby on this ladder, you don't need all that. Yeah, she uh, she says a lot with her eyes. Oh, does she ever? She's very expressive with her eyes, and they they give her or the director, I should say, gives her that moment. When she needs to give that moment, and you interpret what she's feeling, uh, and I think for everybody it'll be something different a little bit. Definitely. 
Uh, one last note. Uh, I do. I did like my basic pr- uh, theme. I pulled away from this is is that basically we shouldn't take things for granted, and that with humanity comes all of humanity's problems. Uh, humanity's a great thing. It's a gift. Uh, being alive is a gift, but also being alive it can be a struggle, and we get to see her struggle with that a little bit and appreciate it and whatnot without giving anything away. We can't really talk about the back third of this film because it will. It's it's really a major spoiler. I think. Yeah, it is. For the back end of the movie. So, you know, we don't like to do that on the show. And it might be a while before anybody sees this in the States or anywhere, really. I mean, I don't know who's, who's picked it up. I think it's had its, its Japanese premiere, but yes. I think, or maybe a Pusan, the Tokyo Festival. But I don't, it certainly hasn't had a wide release as far as I know. Right. So that's what I, that's really my notes on Airdale. I'm going to kick it over to you and we'll see what you got on it. I do want to say we just talked about that. And that is very apparent, the theme of sort of humanity. And I think the not taking things for granted and and all that, but I think this sort of is an interesting programming choice for us uh, to contrast with another film we're going to talk about in another episode, End of the Void, which looks certainly at the darker side of humanity. So it's uh, very interesting. Yeah, and he's putting that that darker side very lightly. Yeah. But, uh, okay, let's get rolling here because we are going to keep this short and sweet. Um, I found that the air doll, not Beidouna, but the actual air doll itself looked like... uh, Tyla Tequila, who in turn looks like Gizmo, of course. Yeah, she has these uh, very big eyes and stuff. Uh, although uh, the the Beiduna, uh, or I think it's what I'm saying, yeah. she is uh, much be more beautiful than uh, Tyla Tequila or whatever the hell that a travesty of a human whatever being that, is. That uh, Mogwai's name is. <laughs> yes, whatever Gizmo's real name is. I don't know. Um, you you see the scene early on, and again, it's handled with with maturity. But I'll never hear rubber squeaking in the same way again. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, because of course, I mean, that the, the serves its primary function early on with uh, with her her keeper or whatever term you want to use. Um, and we get a scene that follows that. That I guess it's something that you would never really think of, where she has to. I think it was her. No, it was him. Where he has to clean the uh, well, the vagina. I'll, I'll be polite here. He has to clean the uh, the old vagine for, for the doll because let's face it, man, that thing's getting filled up. Yeah, they. For those of you not familiar with uh, sex toys, the, for those of you who are familiar with uh, sex toys, uh, you know there has to be uh, an uh, uh, receptacle for the uh, the juju juice to be uh, a receptacle for it, and um, yeah, it has to be cleaned out. I mean, it's disgusting if it isn't. So, and we're not trying to be perverted here. I mean, that's just I'm just being frank. That's what those things really are. But I liked that it. it showed sort of the reality of it. Um... A little bit because I wouldn't think about that. I just I wouldn't think of that. I don't. No, that actually got a laugh from the audience. Uh, actually, you were sitting right next to me and you laughed. I did laugh, and I smiled, and uh, because that's the that's reality. I mean, they could have totally avoided that scene, but I, I like that they put it in there because it's it's the contrast of uh, inanimate object and animate object. So yes, it's very nice. Definitely, um, I love the use of shadows to show her initial movement when she's not fully human, not fully flesh yet. But you see, it's almost like a puppet show, a shadow show. Where you see the movement and the way she moved, it was so good. It just it nailed what I thought she should have moved like. Right. I mean, yes. It was. Uh, it was amazing. And every uh, shadow she had, you could see that she was translucent. It was very interesting. Yeah. Those first shadows are really great because they're very. They almost look animated. Yeah, they do. It's almost like in Killer Clowns from Outer Space when they put on the, the puppet show, the shadow oh, yeah. show. It's yes, like yes, that. yes, 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 yes. But, but I mean, obviously, wow, different. what a comparison. Yeah, no. Kidding. <laughs> when you hear my score for the film. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> Um, there's a quote in this film that I think it, it really is tied into the psyche and the emotional um, core of, of human beings. And 
she starts to hear about people getting old and the fear of getting old. And she asks, what does it mean to get old? And, you know, being closer to death. And she has this conversation with one of the characters. And again, a lot of the stuff, it's it's stuff that is very simple and, and it has this childlike innocence too, but it's it's profound. Because yeah. it's not stuff we really stop and and meditate on or just give any real thought to because you know we don't want to think about those things and this is someone who who doesn't know anything about it so she is thinking about it because she's trying to understand what makes us tick like a like a young child sometimes when they discover death and they start to ask their parents about getting older and stuff that's what it reminded me of yes and also like a child and this actually comes up in another film interestingly see this seems a lot of crossover with some of the themes and the visual stuff um I love that she has this little bag of, of curiosities or things that she likes. Oh, yes, yes. She goes, oh, yeah, that does come up in another film, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, interesting. I didn't even put that together until just now. Yeah, and it, really interesting because, you know, she's on the beach and she picks up this glass bottle and it has like a pebble or something in it. Yeah. And the pebbles, it, it can't quite get out of it, so it makes the noise and so forth. Like a rattle. Like a rattle, precisely, like a rattle. And I love that she plays with all this stuff. And that's how children are. I remember being a kid and going to the beach and you find glass pieces that have been worn down from the water. Yes, and it's it's yes. like the mo- it makes your day as a child, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. And she has this bag, and she puts her things in. And sometimes she'll pull them out and sort of she'll look at all of them. And I really like that. Again, it adds to the it endears you more to the character. Right, right. Totally agree with that. So I really like that. Um, sorry, you have to forgive some of us. I know at least for myself, I'm not known for my penmanship and writing with a small pen light, <laughs> trying to be discreet about it in the theater. So my notes. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the pen lights when we do our TIFF wrap up. Oh boy. We've had some interesting uh, <laughs> interesting adventures with yeah, lights. My, my thumb's a little worse for the wear due to my, my Snuggie pen light. Miles, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful scene with um, an actual child and her. Basically, the air doll and this character, her boyfriend, they're at the theater, or the theater. Mm-hmm. They're at the restaurant, and okay. she's observing the little girl with the father. And, you know, like kids are known to, they're trying to get her to eat their vegetables. So she yeah. the yeah. father. <laughs> yes. And Bay Dunas character, the air doll, is looking over at the whole thing unfold. And <laughs> it's such a great moment because the little girl, the father gets turned his head turned around because the, the daughter dupes him. She's about six years old or something. So she stuffs her carrots. I forget what she says. She puts them under the table or in her cuff link or something. No, she just throws it across the oh, floor. She throws it across the floor, that's right. And and she looks over at uh, Bay Dunas character and she just gives her a wink. Yes. And yes. I, that I just adored that moment. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it's just something the children do. They don't want to eat their. Uh, yeah, it was very the the mimicry is you know children mimic. It reminds me of that scene in Jaws where Roy Scheider and his do- his son are uh, at the table. You know, Roy Scheider will cover his eyes and then the kid will cover his eyes. You know, kids mimic adults yes. like uh, your son does the peekaboo thing. Yes. Oh, exactly. Um. You you had talked about this briefly, where uh, our our lead she gets that that cut in her her uh, her arm her arm. My apologies. Yeah, her yeah. <laughs> she's deflating. Away from the mic. And uh, I never would have thought that I would have been emotionally invested in a sex doll being deflated. And I think that is a testament to the actress and of course to the to the director because you've seen that a lot in films where you know who'd have thunk you'd have cared about this or that. But it's, it's the way it's handled. And you really do... I know I was worried and concerned for the character's well-being at that point. Yes. Uh, that whole scene is riveting, and you would not think it would be. It's as riveting as any action scene I've seen since we've been here. Yes. 
Yes, and we've seen some pretty impressive set pieces in films. Especially last night. <laughs> yes, yes. And this was just... Or actually, especially yesterday, yeah, I should say. Yeah. Um, there's another quote she says, and it's just it's so true, and she says, uh, having a heart was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's these poignant, poetic lines that will stick with you forever. It's really, really beautifully written, the film. The music, everything. I mean, it's, it's so gorgeous. I mean, I, I think you can tell I'm gushing about it. You'll hear my score in a little bit. Uh, so you'll know that I'm uh, I'm a I'm a gusher uh, outside of the jacuzzi as well. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a scene where, and I think a lot of times too, what I think the the film talks about is people filling emotional needs or voids with other things. And yes, yes. And there's a very interesting scene where our character comes home to find her. Uh, how would you? What would you? What what would you call him? I guess her. The, uh, the old man, the, the her, her owner, I guess. The the guy that owns her, not w- her creator, her owner. Uh, I would call him her just. Uh, yeah, I would say she he's he's her owner. I, I guess yeah, for lack of a better description, her owner. But I mean, he purchased her. Yeah, so technically, yeah, he's her owner. And she um, was an inanimate object, so that would be owning something. Yeah. So we'll say own. But there's a wonderful scene where it's very tense because she comes home. Because she has this whole thing in where he doesn't know that she's alive. So she right. goes out when he's at work and comes mm-hmm. home and plays plays the part of the air doll when he's at home. And, so, and wash, rinse, repeat. And she comes home one day and she finds another sex doll in the bed. She's been replaced as if yes. he's had enough of that look and of her yes. and sort of the wonder or the world that he's created with her. Mm-hmm. So he's moved on to another doll. And normally, if, if you see a few times in the film, if she ever heard the pitter-patter of his steps, she would get in the bed and play dead. Not dead, but, you know, play the part of the doll. Yeah, she would take her clothes off and just lay there. And lay there in the bed still. It's amazing. But I love that moment because there's going to be... She's going to make him answer for this because she stays there alive. Yes. And waits for him to come in to confront him about why he's done this and da-da-da-da. Not that she really cares because, I mean, truth be told, it's almost like a... A metaphor for a cold, loveless marriage. When you see scenes, and sometimes in films, where the guy's fucking the wife, and right. she just land there, you see the shot of her right, gazing right. off, sort of, you know, it's sort of like that. But I just, I love that moment, and it was tense. I'm like, oh man, what's he gonna say? What's she gonna say? They re- they revisit that later with the uh, uh, video store clerk, or I should say. Yes, and in the scene with the the owner, he says to her, well, "Can you go back to being the old doll?" And again, it just. That's a, that's almost a heartbreaking line. It is. You can see it in her At face. At the same time, uh, it's the same time. It's a pathetic line. It it's is. really the weirdest kind of pathetic heartbreak you can uh, you can imagine. Yeah, it is. Um, I found his character really interesting, though. I mean, he's so lonely that he has to have these dolls, and he seemed like such a normal human being. He had a job, maybe not a uh, fulfilling one for him. No. But you know, like so many of us, uh, you know, we're, we're, we we inherit our problems. We don't always create them ourselves. Obviously, he has issues interacting with people, so mm-hmm. he does it with inanimate objects. Uh, I felt for his character at times. I really did, in a weird way. I don't know why I identified with him sometimes. I just did. Well, no, you certainly you do. And that's the thing. They don't demonize him too much. Yeah. I think what you get out of all the characters, even the air doll herself, through through a complete uh, in ignorance, but not on her own fault, just because she doesn't know any better, the characters are all looked at with an... an an unjudgmental eye. They all have their flaws. They all have their good points. Even even the uh, the scene I was talking about with the video store owner. Yeah. Even that, uh, if you're not paying attention, could be looked upon as kind of awful. But I don't think it was. 
I, I think that's the thing though. He doesn't judge. And I, I yes. personally found it a little bit appalling, but again, it's humanity. And he's yeah, he leaves it open to interpretation. Yes. Um, I only got a few more notes here. Um, there's a great scene when she goes back to meet her maker because she's trying to get some more answers about herself. And she goes into this room and it's just like I was telling you, I leaned over and, leaned over and said this to you. It's like this scene in Holy Mountain when the, the prophet or the Jesus figure goes into the factory and he sees hundreds and hundreds of of mass, this assembly line of Jesus statues. And it was like that with her. And it's almost like this bizarre moment for her where she can't quite process what's happening. I mean, just think about it. If you were to walk into a room and there was you know, a thousand statues of you, I mean, that, that's, that's got to be the biggest mind melter. Well, you know, my first thought would be, I'd uh, be looking for Dario Argento <laughs> and Henry Silva. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and hope kidding. that I just didn't get cast in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, man. <laughs> Uh, but no, and then the scene with her maker was wonderful. Again, I don't want to give away too much of the dialogue with that. But yeah, he plays the Geppetto esque character, and that's Joe Adagiri. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it. You're right; those scenes are really very poignant and beautiful. Yeah, and they're very they're very minute. They're not they're not a big part of the film, but they're some of the most powerful scenes in the movie. And it almost becomes that thing where he goes, she goes to him looking for answers. And again, this is going to sound cliche, but it's not. She goes to him looking for answers. But he answers her with questions that she knew the answer to all along. She just, you know what I mean, right? Right. So again, it was pretty poignant stuff. And there's a, a beautiful scene, and it's it's uh, it's very heartbreaking, where she starts to dream, and she has a dream of a birthday, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she asks because with the little girl, she sees this little girl and her father at the restaurant to go back to them, and a birthday cake comes out, and they're saying happy birthday and stuff, and she asks, well, what's a birthday? And what does that mean? And Again, all the things we take for granted. Yes. Because uh, I didn't even think initially that she would ask that. Because I'm like, oh, that's a birthday scene. Nice. You know, but uh, it, just again, so you see this dream of her and all the characters she meets. And it was it was a beautiful, beautiful scene. I just, yes. I loved it. Um, the only criticism I would say is that you and I have talked about this a little bit. The film at the very end, the last 15, 20 minutes or so, feels a little bit like Return of the King where it should have ended at a few different spots. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. That's it does. probably my only real complaint of the film, but... Uh, I'll kick it over to you and uh, get your make or break, MVT and all that. All right, so my make or break for the film is going to be the initial scene where she comes to life. Mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful. It's well done. Uh, it's clumsy like uh, like a newborn. Uh, it's beautiful because the the raindrops and the wind and the sound design and and obviously looking at uh, looking at her is not a bad thing. She's nude. Yeah, and she's a very beautiful. I think. Well, I thought she was very beautiful. She's beautiful and and and. and well, she's beautiful in a doll-like way. Yeah, she's not like a, a glamorous beautiful yes, or yes. whatever, but you know, she's beautiful. And, and we have to say, it's a brave performance. It's incredibly brave. She's she's playing a sex doll. She's kind of, you know... she's new, The amount of times she's on screen, she's either nude or in a sexually charged outfit 95% of the time. A French-made outfit she wears around the first yeah. bit of the film. Yes, and she's looked upon as an object, but which she, I think is another commentary on sometimes the absolutely. way There's a lot people look at people. There's a lot going on in this film, a yes. lot going on in this film. Yeah, I'm going to give her that. that I mean, that, that scene, that, that, that scene, my make or break, that first time that life comes in. My MVT, I think you pretty much figured it out. It's going to be the lead actress. I think this is one of the best performances I've seen this year. We don't do a top 10 performances, but if we did, this would definitely be in my top five. Yeah. I found her performance amazing. I mean, it really did. I was mesmerized by her every time she was on screen. Yeah. She really brought it for this thing. So here's my score for the film. I really, I, don't, I never score films until after we talk about them or think about them for a long time, uh, or sometimes even when we just talk about them with each other on the show uh but i give this film an 8.75 out of 10 it's way up there but i think this film was really really fantastic and uh as i told will uh barb if you're listening uh barbarella cult she will fuck i think she's gonna adore this one i think yes. this is gonna be one she's really gonna like and uh, 
I think a lot of people, well, I'm going to tell you this, everybody should check it out whenever they get a chance to check it out. Uh, but I think a lot of people are going to like it ultimately. I think because it will resonate with anyone, everyone, or it should, if you have, you have to have a bit of patience with it, but it, it, because it speaks to everyone in some way, whether it's love, whether it's loss, whether it's mm-hmm. memory, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, a lot of different things that deal with life and, yes. and humanity and right. being human. Right. It's a beautiful little genre movie. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go ahead and kick it back over to you. Okay, so my make or break. Um, there's some scenes where she meets this old man in a park, and like we talked about, he's a lot more aware of um, where he's at in life. And you yes. can see there's there's scenes where he's wistful. He's kind of reminiscing on on his youth and mm-hmm. and and stuff, and not so much his his uh, conquest as much as just again the little things mm-hmm. that, that again he took he took for granted. Right. Even now being at the doorstep of death. Um, and she's talking to him. She kind of takes care of him. It's, it's sweet in that regard as well. And and there's a yeah. We didn't even really talk about that, but it's very sweet. A beautiful moment in that. I thought they were on the right track with it, but then I thought for a moment, based on her reaction, it was going to be a little bit sleazy. And, ah, yes, and, yes. And I'm glad they kept it pure and true uh, because it meant a lot to me, and it would have cheapened yes. that. moment. He has no interest in that. No, basically, I don't think we're spoiling anything. It, I don't think you are. No, there's some. He says to her, "Can you touch me?" Because mm-hmm. he's an old man. He's lonely. Clearly, I think you, you get the. He's ill. He's ill. His wife's maybe passed on. His yes. kids aren't around, and he says, "Can you touch me?" And she goes and touches his dick because you know, well, that's what she's used to guys wanting to her to touch. Yes. And he, she touches him. Then he goes, "No, no, no, my my head." Meaning, of course, yes. his, his forehead. His forehead. Uh, and so she she touches it and he goes oh that feels so good and I just I love that moment they revisit that later but I won't say with what yes. but they revisit that that type of touching later yes and it was just a beautiful moment so that, I the, yeah I mean the most loving touches you ever give your companion sometimes in life are the ones yeah. to the to the arm to the face wiping sweat off their brow they're sick you touch their face you know yes that's that's, those that's true love yep let's be honest yep and it's funny you took as you know as I'm t- wiping soap off your back here in the yes. jacuzzi right now. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. My my MVT for the film is her again. Bay do not a knockout yeah. performance. Yeah, I think we're in total agreement on it that one. Could have fallen into sort of cliche. You've seen it before. If it was if it was to get a wide enough release, I think she'd be nominated for an Oscar. She should be. She really if, is listen, that good. If Wrinkle this. Kikuchi can get nominated for Babel. Not no, not to take away from that. It was a great performance. That is, that's a film you like more than me, but I did think that performance was amazing. But this knocks that one out, man. I mean, this is a oh yeah, great. It, it almost age. crushes it. It does really. <laughs> it's like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, my score film's a little bit less than yours. It's an eight point two five out of ten. Still high though. Still a very good score. Uh, I think the film's wonderful. I think I would love to own this film. Uh, and you will. Out. And I will own this film <laughs> when it comes out. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much all I got to say. So um, I guess on that, I'll say. Adios. Yep. We'll say adios. We'll be back with another episode soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.